Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed out by Colby, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, hold on. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Welcome to Sports Talk with RNJ. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it was a great night to be a Yankee fan as they swept the doubleheader over the Boston Red Sox. And right now, who would believe who would have believed this three weeks ago? They are now they, they they are tied for the first wild card, and they are now by percentage points ahead of the Red Sox. Like the Rays, the uh, the Red Sox, A's, and Yankees are all tied uh, right now. But due to percentage points, the Yankees and A's are ahead of the Red Sox and you know, what a time to be a Yankee fan. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought this three weeks ago? And it's all – it's all it's – all, uh, it's all, and a big reason why this is happening is because of the starting pitching. The starting pitching has been, uh, has been phenomenal. If it, the heel's been great since he's came up. Uh, you've had Nestor Cortez, who's pitched really, really well. Joe hyped him up, you know, two years ago, and he was right about that. I'll give Joe credit for mm-hmm. that one with Nestor Cortez. He's, he's pitched really well. Obviously, Tyone and Montgomery have pitched well, and Jared Garrett Cole pitched well on, uh, on Monday night. So – this Yankee team, I think it all starts with the starting pitching. I think that that's the biggest reason why this team has been playing as well as it has. And they've gotten timely hitting. Timely hitting has been huge. I mean, and in the game, and it, and it showed uh, yesterday. You got the, the two-run single by Luke Voigt in the uh, fifth inning. And then you got the pinch hit single by Giancarlo Stanton. And Stanton hitting the home run last night in the, uh, in the fourth inning, too. So timely hitting uh, and uh, good starting pitching. And here's another thing. The bullpen the last couple days has been pretty good. I mean, Chad Green has has not. I mean, he saved the last two games, and so has uh, and so has, and so was so did Luizaga in the first game. He really loaded the bases. He ended up saving that game, but uh, yeah. So I think the you know the big reason why this has happened is because of starting pitching. I mean, one thing I would like to see a little bit more from the Yankees is to try to put these games away. I mean, they had a chance to the other night. I was at the game where they had bases loaded, nobody out in the sixth inning, and they and they didn't score. That can't. Uh, that they need to get. They need to. They need to tack on more runs there. Then the other. And even in the sixth inning yesterday. They, you know, they had base. They, 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 they had bases loaded, and they couldn't, you know, extend that lead against the Red Sox. And they almost lost that game, you know, with having bases loaded and nobody else. But I'd like to see them, you know, you know, you know, tack on a little bit more. But when you get good starting pitching, you're, you're going to win games, and the Yankees have definitely proven that. And that's why they're in the position they're in right now. Absolutely, and I saw a step from, uh, you know, I saw a step by Luis Hill, which hasn't happened in like the modern day era. He's the first pitcher, you know, so going back to 1900 that. 18 strikeouts in his first three um, starts and give up zero runs. So that just shows how good he's been, you know, that no other pitcher has done something like that. Um, you know, unfortunately couldn't get the win, you know, unfortunately couldn't get that, you know, um, that final out there in the fifth inning and get the win, but he's so, he still fits pretty well. His stuff's really, really good, especially that fastball. Um, 
you know, yeah, you know, Cole Montgomery both coming off COVID pitch pitch well. Um, you know, think to get a little bit more, yeah, like run support for Montgomery. The starting pitching, yeah, outside of Andrew Haney has been really good. Tyone just it continues to just, you know, I know that first inning gets a White Sox and it wasn't great, but he settled in after that and pitched really well. So yeah, this this you know the starting pitch has been really good. You kind of hope now the bullpen, you know, starting to figure itself out a little bit. Wandy Peralta got out of that jam last night with the bases loaded, um, coming up from heel. But yeah, right now this 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 team, yeah, I think it was like 25 days ago. You know, they lost they lost that heartbreaker to the White Red Sox where Herman. You know, had the no hitter going the eighth inning, and, and they pulled him, and and all of us wanted Boone gone. All of us, and and that's where it turned around though, because they won two out of three against Tampa. You know, traded for Gallo and Rizzo that week, ended up you know sweeping the Marlins. Uh, they ended up taking two out of three from the Orioles. They ended up winning that series against the Mariners, where they had all come from behind wins. And the and three, no, they didn't sweep, and they won three out of four, where they were all come from behind wins. Joey Gallo came up huge and hit that three run home run in the game on that Thursday night. Then the Yankees came back and won on. On, on on Friday and Saturday, so and then that's where everything turned. That's where really where it all turned around. I mean, they had they had the uh, they had obviously the series where they took two out of three from the White Sox and they took two out of three from the Royals. Yes, the ninth inning has been an, an adventure, but still good starting pitching and timely hitting is the big reason why they're where they are. Yeah, absolutely, it has been. You know, yeah, you know, and I know Gallo. The stats haven't been great, but the three home runs he's had. You know, they're all big kind of moments in that game and defining moments. So, yeah, you know, I, especially the home run he had against the against the Mariners, the first home run he had against the Mariners, that was a huge one. The home run he had on Saturday against the White Sox, that was a huge one. And then, you know, the, the home run he had Monday night, that that that, that, that pretty much were the only two runs they had all night. The two games I've had, I've been at, Gallows had two huge hits. Nice. Yeah, yeah you're, you're the good luck charm there for Gallo. You got to keep going. These, uh, these home games there. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's yeah, the time of hitting with Gallo, you know. Sounds like Rizzo may be back tonight, but it's like Luke Voigt's been coming up with some big clutch hits, you know. Did twice yesterday, you know, at the solo home run and that uh, two-run bloop single. So, like, even even Voigt, you know, Judge, I think now has 19 RBIs this year that he's put the he's tied the game or either put the Yankees ahead. So, you know, he's been good. So, you know, yeah, even Stan has had a couple of big at-bats here. So, yeah, you know, it's been time hitting. And, yeah, yeah, these close games, you know, besides the two games that they beat in the R- – so since the All-Star break, the two games that they beat – you know, take out the two games, they beat the Orioles when they blow them out, when they blew them out. They have one game – they've won one game where they've won by more than three runs, and that was that Sunday night game um, against Boston. So that 9-1 to game. So, yes, yeah, so every game for them has pretty much been an adventure right now, but they're starting to win them. But, yeah, it'd be nice not to have a heart attack every every night in the uh, ninth inning. Exactly. And you brought up Luke Voigt, and that's an interesting topic. When Rizzo comes back, and you think it's going to be tonight? That's what it sounds like. There's a chance he can come back tonight. What, when, Rizzo, when Rizzo comes back, what will this lineup look like? I mean, Luke Voigt said yesterday after the game, he was like, I think I should get as much playing time as uh, Anthony Rizzo. Now, there's two options which you could do. If the first option is is you could uh, you could have Luke Voigt be the DH. You could have uh, you could have uh, Rizzo play first. Obviously, you had you'd have you'd have. When, this is assuming uh, your uh, Shella and Torres come back. You'd have you know Glaber at short, your Shella at third, uh, Lemay at second, Sanchez behind the plate, and then the outfield would be the interesting part. There, you probably have Gallo in right. You go Gallo right field. You go Judge in center, and then you would go uh, Stanton in left. Now, say you want to platoon uh, Rizzo and uh, Voigt. Then you then you would have Gardner play center field and center field, uh, so it was kind of maybe it's depending on what you want to do. Maybe against righties you go Gardner, 
and maybe against lefties, you go, boy, it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do with that lineup. The one thing we probably do know is once Rizzo goes back, uh, Jonathan Davis is playing time. Jonathan Davis is uh, uh, Jonathan Davis. His playing time is probably going to come to an end. Probably. He's been a nice guy that pitch runner. He made a, he nice, made a, he made a nice catch Monday. on Monday night. I'll give him that. Yeah. But the guy can't hit at all. His yeah. offense is absolutely terrible. Yeah, it, it, it's not very good. You know why the Blue Jays got rid of him? Um, yes, yes. He got some speed, which is nice. But, yeah, you know, and I, again, I hope that it's Giancarlo playing the outfield every day. Because I think even Giancarlo has better at-bats when he's out in, in the outfield lately than he's DHing. Because I, I think he probably thinks too much as a DH in that dugout because that's all you do is hit. I think he goes to the outfield, you know, hey, you know, start thinking about, you know, what's going on out there. And he, I think he's got better at-bats. So I'd rather see him every day in the outfield and have Luke Voigt be the DH. I, that's the best thing for this um, defense or for this offense right now, um, or for this team to have Luke Voigt being the DH. And I agree there. That's my lineup would definitely be to have Voigt be the DH and uh, just put you know Gallo, Stan, and uh, and Judge in the outfield. Have Judge play center because if you're just your lineup isn't as good if you have Gardner in there. Your lineup just isn't as good. I, I would I would keep Voigt in this lineup. He's gonna hit a home run last night. I would absolutely and he I mean he led he led I think he led all of baseball last year in home runs. Mm-hmm. I know it was a sixty game season, but he led all of baseball in home runs. So your lineup could be really strong. You could really come together is I think if you keep Luke Voigt in this lineup. So I would definitely be for keeping Voigt as the DH uh and uh, uh moving Gardner to the bench and then having Judge play center. That would be what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you too, yeah. You know, and then, you know, eighth, ninth inning, I know he's usually done is put then put Guardy in the outfield and strengthen up the defense. I, you know, that like that, yeah, that's fine. I think that's the best lineup because, you know, what's, you know, you have Luke Voigt probably DHing at, you know, like sixth in that lineup, maybe seventh. Like, that's a dangerous sixth or seventh hitter DHing in Luke Voigt. You know, like it's, you know, and you can see now it's tough to maneuver through his defense when you have Gallo and Rizzo in that lineup. It's, it's tough to navigate. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that's the best version of that lineup having judge and center, um, and playing, having boy, or I mean, standing gal, one of the corner outfielders, it, it just makes that deep, that offense just, it, you got a bunch of, you know, like all-stars. I think every, probably everybody in that lineup probably made an all-star game at least once. I don't actually, I don't, did you make one in 19? I don't know if Orshell made one in 19, but yeah, but yeah, if outside of your shell, probably all of them made the all-star team. Even though guys like Torres haven't hit well this year, all of them have made the all-star team. Yeah, and there's not too many lineups I could say that. Probably besides the Dodgers, you know, there's not too many lineups that could say that. No, 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 not at all. But even though this team is like 20th and run scored because got Stan and uh, maybe though Stan's been better better late, but Stan and Torres and Lemay have underachieved. Still, if you get to put this put this kind of this lineup on the field, things could definitely drastically change for this team. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Uh, and even though they and they have changed me with the starting pitching, but that but if the lineup's great, then they're good. Then they don't even need to worry about you know the, clo- the who's going to close every night, and then they'd be the game. They'd be winning games comfortably. And you look at the schedule coming up, where they got games against uh, they got they got a series against Minnesota. They 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 put this lineup together. They'll win. They'll win. They'll sweep them. They'll win most. Of, they'll win probably three of those four games by you know at least four or five runs. Yeah, they should because they dominated Minnesota through the through the years. Like something like oh four oh five, they've. They, they, they've only lost the Twins like 11 or 12 times and, you know, combined in playoffs and regular season. So, yeah, they should win three out of four in that series because especially with that road trip you yeah, coming off, it's not going to be an easy one, especially part of it's going to be – or most of it's going to be at the West Coast. So, yeah, this this lineup, especially, yeah, against a Twin team that's struggling, you got to be able to put seven, eight, nine runs a night and make it comfortable because 
it, it does put a lot of pressure then on the bullpen to close games out every night, especially you got a new closer till Chapman comes back, which his 10 IL cent should be up pretty much any, you know, any day now. So yeah, you know, I hope, you know, you hope, um, you know, you get him back, but yeah, this lineup with all the power that they have with judge, you know, um, with Voight, with Rizzo, Gallo, like even Gallo, cause he's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of strikeouts, but he's great at getting walked and he's great with the strike zone. So, you know, like he's a guy you can get on and, you know, um, and guys behind him, like an Urshela, you know, towards Voight, Sand should be able to, you know, knock him in. Yeah, it, there's no reason the lineup should not score seven, eight runs right now against the Twins. Absolutely, absolutely. But moving on to the bullpen, and obviously they're going to get Chapman back, but in the time that he's out, I think you just ride the hot hand at closer if it's Loisica or if it's uh, Green. I think you just ride the hot hand, whoever really, whoever's ever hot. I feel like Boone's going to go to Green, I think, because Green's closed. His last two last two, last two two times out there, he's gotten a save last night against the – last night against the uh, – Monday against the Angels and then last night against the Red Sox. I feel like that's where Boone's going to go, but I think you ride the hot hand between Green and Loisica, and I think you do the same thing. I think you, you alternate them, you know, in terms of being the setup man. You don't let Brynn be the setup man anymore. I'm done with Britain being the setup man. I'm done with Britain. I hope Britain can have the sixth inning. That, that, that's enough. Like just like on Monday night, he could have this when they took Cole out. He could have the sixth inning. That's fine. Let Britain have the sixth inning. He's had a he's had a bad year. But I think you you mix and match with Loisica and a Green as the setup man when Chapman comes back. And I think you ride the hot hand uh, as as the closer. You just do it by committee. I think that's the best way. That's the best way Aaron Boone can do it right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, I I do. I think, you know, when Chapman's contract's up, I think Loisica is going to be the permanent new closer. I could see Green even get in that role, but I, I think Loisica maybe fits out a bit more. But, yeah, I think I agree with you. You got to ride the hot hand. You know, I, I think it was huge that Loisica was able to get out of that. Because, you know, even since he's been out with COVID, he's had some outings that haven't been great. But, yeah, you know, even Green's had his struggles. Green's given up a lot of home runs off of his breaking balls lately or, you know, all year. Um, so yeah, I, I think you ride with a hot hand, you know, two guys now that have been very experienced. Yes. Burton should stay in that sixth inning. You know, he got out of that, um, out of that gym in the sixth inning, which was nice to see. Maybe it brings a little confidence to him, but yeah, I'm not ready to put him back in that eighth, ninth inning role. But yeah, the way Louisica and Green have been pitching, they've been pretty good all year. You know, they've had their bad outings, but for the most part, those are two guys you can rely on and, you know, obviously with Loisica yesterday, that that was a very um, tight, you know, putting himself in a tight rope, tight tight rope situation there, but got out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then the thing with Britain, I, I knew on Thursday night, and the Yankees, great job fighting back. You know, Judge at the two home run, Stanton at the home run, but you know, you knew when when he walked Savala. You knew they were in big trouble. You knew Anderson was going to do something. And that's why I'm done with Britain. And I just I like the fact, you know, mixing and matching with Loisica and Green. I feel like you do that in the bullpen. And then obviously when Chapman comes back, he's the closer. But the closer issue will be solved if this lineup can hit against, you know, hit, hit uh, in the, in the next couple of games. If this lineup could hit against tonight against the Red Sox and hit the next couple of games against the Twins, this closer situation won't be as big of a concern because they'll be up by so much it wouldn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they should be. You know, I know – yeah, the Twins, I don't, you know, yeah, cause the Twins have not been great. Um, their pitching has not been great all year. It's, yeah, and even when they went to Minnesota, I think one, or I think both games they won, they put up like nine runs and maybe double digits one of the one of the other nights. So they hit them well the first time, and Target Field's not really a, um, there's ballpark. So, yeah, not, now you get to play my home at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, there should be no reason that you have to close out three, four games this weekend, you know, 
we're only up by a run or two or even three runs. It, it, most of these games should be a blowout this weekend against the Twins. Absolutely, absolutely. But now we got to get to the Red Sox, and the Red Sox have really, really been struggling. I know they swept the Orioles. The Orioles are absolutely terrible, so that really doesn't matter. But the Red Sox have really, really been struggling. And and, and since that series against the against the Yankees, where they, where they took three out of four, they ended. They they, they I think they uh, they they took two out of three from Toronto. They split with Toronto. They they got swept to the to the Rays. They got they took they lost two out of three to the Tigers. No, three out of four to the Tigers. They. Uh, they they got they lost, three they lost two two out uh, three out of four again, to Toronto they, they again wow yeah. wow they lost three out of four to Toronto uh, they won two out of th- lost two out of three of the Rays and obviously they swept the Orioles but now they've lost the next the first two to the Yankees this team is really this team is coming down to earth yeah. this team is really really coming down to earth and uh, and yes they're sixth in run score but Obi made a good point he was producing our show uh, last week this team cannot hit. With runners and score, this team has trouble hitting with runners in scoring position, and we saw that yesterday. I mean, in the first game, bases loaded, nobody out, and they couldn't even score a run. Yeah. And that, that happened. I mean, early, in an earlier series against Minnesota, against the against the uh, Rays when they were in Tampa in July when they were fighting for first place, they, 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 the, 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 the timely hitting of this team now has been has been absolutely terrible. They couldn't they could not score a run with bases loaded and nobody out. And then yesterday, you had two guys on, uh, and uh, in, the, in the in the fifth. And in the sixth, they couldn't get the key hit. They're just not getting the key hit right now. Yes, they're they're sixth in run score, but some of that's a little bit skewed because their their win against the Tampa, they scored twenty runs last week. Their win against Baltimore, they scored sixteen runs. So when they're beating a team big, they're scoring a bunch of runs. But the problem is they cannot get the key hit. The Red Sox right now, and and they're coming down to earth. This 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 this, this the pitching. Even though Sale is back, is the starting pitching is starting to wear down. The bullpen depth is an issue for me. I think depth in the bullpen. I know Whitlock's had a good year, but. He got pulled yesterday, uh, and, and Taylor struggled yesterday too. So the depth in this bullpen is really, really struggling. This Red Sox team is starting to look like the Red Sox we thought we were going to see this year, you know, around an 80-81 win team. I feel, felt like they played really over their head in the first half of the season. I think the Red Sox are really coming down to earth, and this team has a very, very good chance of missing the playoffs. Yeah, they do. You know, now the thing is being up four games in Toronto, and you don't they, – they're done with Toronto this year. They don't play them anymore, so – that you know, with how bad they're playing, Toronto can't really make up any more. That helps, them. but look at the way the Yankees are playing, yeah. and I think Oakland. And I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna be able to beat out Oakland. But the the saving grace for the Red Sox is after tonight, uh, they 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 got a really they got a really good homestand. They got three with Texas, and they got four with they got four with the they got three three with Texas and three with and three with the Twins. So they got a favorable schedule and sales pitching on Friday night. So yes, their schedule is very favorable. But the problem here for the for the Red Sox is is just the way they're playing. I mean, just the, the bullpen depth, the starting pit, the depth in the rotation, and the offense, which was really good in the first half, has not been as good in the second half. No, it hasn't. Martinez, you know, and I know he's really showing with Montgomery, but he was in fifths yesterday going up against Montgomery. I know you got a hit in game number two, but were you working the game? The games yesterday. I worked number two. I did not. Gotcha. I didn't work the work first one. Uh, yeah. I went game number two. They and they, um, you know, I remember that Sunday game with. When the Red Sox, you know, after the Herman outing, you know, and, you know, the no-hitter, I remember go, leaving work that day. They The last thing they said, to, they, you know, they buried the Yankees today. They, you know, that that was it. And, I, again, at that time, too, I thought they were right. I thought the Yankees Oh, I thought were they buried. were, too. I thought they were, too. Yeah. But pretty much since that day, both teams have gone in opposite directions. Eight, the Yankees are 18-5, and five and the Red Sox are, like, 7-12, and 12, something like and that. And three it, of those wins are over the Orioles, too. Yeah. And so, a status note with the Orioles. I'll just say because this is something that I don't. I don't think we'll ever see again. 
The last time it because so in the last the, during the thirteen game losing streak, the O's runs differential is a minus eighty seven. That's the first team ever since eighteen ninety nine the Cleveland Spiders that have that bad of a run differential in thirteen games. So the, you know like that that's how bad the Orioles have been. Like we haven't seen this since you know over in you know, over a hundred years. So. You know, and I thought maybe the way they beat the O's, maybe get to going because I they, they're really like a hitting is contagious. So, you know, like they really load up to that because if guys are knocking in guys, it's just, the you know, the train just keeps on going. But early on, if they can't get guys in early, then it, it's like they won't do it the whole game. They're batting like 204 now with the bases loaded, which is by far the worst in the league. They can't hit with the bases loaded, you right. know, uh, you know, Devers is still having a nice year. Bogarts is as well. Martinez is, you know, not really for power. They had one extra base hit yesterday, and that was the Christian Vasquez home run. Yeah. That, that was it. So, yeah, you know, the offense is really struggling. The rotation, and I, you know, I think the rotation, because they can't go deep that it, it's starting to really burn out the um, bullpen. You know, like Taylor's been good all year, but – Lately, he hasn't been the same guy. Whitlock's been good. You know, yesterday I kind of was very tentative around the strike zone. You know, I know Vino's banged up, I, but I think he's okay to pitch, and Barnes really hasn't been that guy lately. And he, he pitched um, Sunday, but he gave up two hits to the O's in a blowout. But, yeah, right now it, it's it's very concerning. And, you know, Evaldi pitched pretty well last night, you know, Sale looked good. He used his changeup a lot, which is very rare um, on on Saturday. But you you thought now this again, like the rotation, like you know, their routine been better. But again, they just can't get guys to go more than like five, six innings. They can't get a guy to go eight innings, you know, and just give their bullpen a day off. It, it's it's been tough. They really had to use a lot of those guys, and I think it's starting to put some wear and tear on them. Absolutely. And as I said, this is a team that's played over their head. When you were going into the season, you had the rotation was a big question mark. The, uh, the, 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 uh, the starting rotation without sale was a big question mark. And even the offense, yeah, it's a good offense, not a great offense. Not the offense they had in 2018 when they had Mookie Betts. It's not a great offense. It's a good offense. not a great offense. With, with Devers and Bogarts and J.D. and Verdugo, it's a good offense, not a great offense. So, that that was that was a, there were a lot of question marks going into the season with the Red Sox and they're starting they're starting to show up late in the year. This team just, in my opinion, isn't built for the 162 game marathon. They're going to need more in the off season. They're going to need more bullpen depth and they're going to need more more depth in the rotation and they're probably going to need another bat. There's just there's just to me there's too many holes on this Red Sox team for them to be a, a contender for the World Series at this point. There's just, there's just too many holes. Yeah, there, there is, you know, like Schwarber, I know he's only played a few games, but he really, he's had a couple of walks, but, you know, he hasn't done too much damage. Again, I know it's been only a few days and, you know, he hasn't played a month and a half. So, you know, again, yeah, trying to kind of change, but yeah, it's like, it, you know, and I think the problem is too, is like most of their bench guys, you know, like are always coming up with some big hits, but, but he's been hurt. They just DFA'd Marwin Gonzalez. Like, you know, Pilecki's been good as a backup catcher. He's been swinging the bat well. Like they have Jonathan Aruz that doesn't like. I'm surprised. Like they had um Jairo Munez who just his 35 game hitting streak down at AAA just got just got um snapped the other night, but or last night I think it was. Like he, you know, like I'm surprised they don't call up a guy like that because even last year the opportunities he got he played well. Like they kind of need another spark off that bench. I don't know why they don't give um Jairo Munez a, a, an opportunity because. Yeah, most of their bench guys, and it's I think too, like they they play Devers a lot, they play Mar- Bogarts a lot, like you know he's been 
you know, his wrist, I think, is still bothering him a bit. But, yeah, they just, you know, they, they just haven't had a ton of guys off the bench. I know Verdugo's starting to swing a bat, bit, bit better. But, yeah, you know, Kike, they've kind of found a rule for Kike in that um, leadoff spot. Duran, it's like, you know, you could kind of say maybe he does need a few more bats on a triple A because he can't, he can't lay off the high fastball. And that's been the same problem with Michael Chavis they had. Dahlback swinging the bat a lot better, but again, like at times he could still he'll still chase at that high fastball. So it's like you know, does Duran go down for a little bit more? And it's you know, Cordero had some better bats for a little bit, but again, then he started struggling. They sent him back down. So yeah, it just outside of those like core guys of like Martinez, Bogart, Stevers, Renfro's having a nice year. It's like they just haven't found consistency, you know, out of anybody else. And yeah, they they kind of need that. Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and yeah, it was obviously the way they've played in the month of August, they just look like the flawed team people thought they were going to be this year. And not not the team that, that played the first, you know, played the first, played great the first four months of the season. They look like the flawed team that everybody thought they were going to be this year. Still, Alex Cora has done a really good job. Red Sox fans got to be really, really confident with him being their manager. They got a manager. We know that. They got a manager. That's going to be the manager of this team for a while. I think Alex Cora is going to be the manager of the team for a while. The question is, can Hyam Bloom improve this team? He failed to do it at the trade deadline. He already traded Mookie Betts. Can he improve this team? And who knows what the Red Sox are going to do this season, but this offseason is a big offseason for the Red Sox because they got to improve this team because they showed their fans that they could be contenders. I don't think they're going to go – I think they're going to miss the playoffs the way they're playing right now. But they but, – but they showed with Alex Cora as the manager and not having the greatest roster that this team can contend. Now it's on high on Bloom to improve this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now the farm system, what his big number one thing was, it started out, I think, 20, 21st start of the year. It's up to, they're in the top 10 now for their farm system. So that's something you really want to build on. So we'll see. I think, I think the luxury tax reset form. So I think they can go out and spend this offseason. So, you know, they're, they're, they're going to go spend now. Bogarts, I think, could opt out after next season. I think Devers, again, I think two or three years, he's going to need to get paid. So, you know, like, I don't know how much he'll spend because, you, you do. You know, you're going to want to keep that infield of Bogarts and Devers. But, yeah, you know, he's got to go out and spend a bit. They, they, you know, obviously the Boston's got the money. Obviously we've seen their owner, their ownership. They'll go out and go, you know, they, they don't mind you going he, out and spending. He needs to run. He needs to – this is a big market, and he's got to spend like it's a big market. He can't run this team like it's a small market team. He's got to run this team like it's a big market team, or the fans are going to go away. Those, those yeah. fans are going to go away if, if, if they see him running this team like it's a small market team. Yeah. You know, and I think I brought up this a few weeks ago. He's got to run it. I think, like, now he doesn't have to be Andrew Freed of the Dodgers where he's spending $275 million a year in a payroll. But, like, he needs – because, you know, Freed obviously used to be with the Rays and that. He needs to kind of be like what the Dodgers have and kind of build that farm – that strong farm system but still being – yeah, but still kind of paying guys – pretty much near the luxury tax that 210 million or, you know, a little bit above, like, you know, I know they don't want to go over now, but yeah, you know, like, yeah, they have the payroll to go, you know, you know, they have the payroll to, you know, go up towards the luxury tax if they want. Yeah. They have to spend like a big money team. I know there's not like a ton of started, like, you know, desirable pitchers. I know Erod's a free agent, but the way he's been pitching, you know, maybe come back, but again, it wouldn't be too expensive. But, yeah, he's got to be able to spend, like, a big market team. Um, yeah, because that fan base is not going to be too happy because they're not too happy with the way the trade deadline went, especially with the Yankees have done because it sounded like they are going to get Rizzo and that the Yankees took him from the Red Sox. You know, they're not – you know, the fan base wasn't too happy about that. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely not. So we'll see. Big game tonight. And we'll talk. We'll go before we wrap up baseball. We'll talk about that game tonight. We got Nick Pavetta against Alex Heaney and Andrew Heaney. And if the Red Sox need a game, this is the one. This is the one. They got a I mean, Heaney's been te- he's been the one starting pitcher in this rotation that has been absolutely terrible for the Yankees. I mean, he was terrible against the Orioles. He wasn't he wasn't good against the White Sox. He wasn't that good against the even though he went six innings, he wasn't that good against the Mariners either. So this is the game the Red Sox need to win. But I think the way this thing's going, I think the Yankees sweep. I think they sweep them tonight. I'm a little nervous. I hope they do. Uh, but, it, you know, now the Red Sox, they've lost seven straight games with a lefty pitcher on the mound. So, you know, I think that's good signs there. But I think for the, you know, Red Sox, tonight, Nick Pavetta, it's his curveball. If his curveball's on, he's getting swings and misses. Again, I think the Red Sox win. If, if he can't get that curveball going and the Yankees are able to kind of sit off on his fastball and his other off-speed pitches – then I think the Yankees have a really good chance tonight. Haney's got to keep the ball in the ballpark. Um, I, I'm going to say the Red Sox win. I, I I just don't trust Heaney right now, and I think we've seen that if the Red Sox can get a couple of big hits, they can score some runs, and I, I think it could be one of those nights where the Red Sox kind of, for a night, break it, break out the offense and have like eight or nine scored. Yeah, it could be like that. It could be like that game uh, last last Wednesday where they played against Tampa, where they were playing. They weren't playing well, and they had that huge night where they scored twenty runs. I I could see that happening against Haney tonight. This this one night where the Red Sox, you know, break out. But I just feel like the way the Yankees and Red Sox are playing right now, the way it's going, I just think the Yankees win. But I could see the Red Sox having a huge night tonight. Yeah, I want. Yeah, obviously, I hope the Yankees win, and you know, uh, all that. But yeah, like right now, I think it could be one of those those nights for Boston. They just kind of figure it out. I think the game you know, Yankees could score some runs, but yeah, I just don't trust you know Andrew Heaney because they were able to get that off of Josh Fleming, who you know, not very good for the Rays. So yeah, you know, I, I again, I think you know, if if the bet is on, if that curveball is working, he's getting swinging misses. I just think it could be a tough night for the Yankees offense until they can get to that bullpen. We'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. You know, Yankees, Red Sox, both teams are, I mean, Yankees are ahead by percentage points, but both teams are tied in the standing. So we'll see what happens there. But Jamal Adams finally got his money. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which so uh, the Seahawks uh, paid uh, Jamal Adams of uh, four years, seventy-two million. Now he's the highest-paid safety in the NFL, and he got the money he wanted that the Jets did not want to uh, want to give him. Uh, but I think honestly, the Seahawks made the right call here. He deserves this guy. I know safety is not the most premium position, and a corner. Edge rusher, defensive tackle, more more premium, uh, even line, inside linebacker, more of a premium possession position on defense. But uh, the Seattle, I feel like he this is their best player on defense. He had nine and a half sacks last year, the most ever for a defensive back. Nine and a half sacks, really good against the run. Yes, coverage. He's not great in coverage, still decent in coverage. I still think he's the best safety in the league. I'll still take him over Minka. I'll still take him over Harrison Smith. I'll still take him 
over Justin Simmons. I'll still take him over Jesse Bates. I'll still take him over any of those safeties. I think he's the best safety in the league. And I think he earned this contract. I think, I think he earned this money. And uh, I think Seattle is, is – I think soon enough – I think they're going to, you know – I think they're going to restructure Dwayne Brown's contract too. And I think the Seattle team's going in the right direction right now. I think they're going in the right direction. I think they're still super Bowl, even though their defense is average. I still think their defense is good enough now with a new offensive coordinator where they can be Super Bowl contenders this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think they had to make this move. Adams. Yeah, I, I agree. He's definitely the best safety in the league because he can play everywhere. He can play up in the box. He can play up on the line. You know, you can play him back. He's not great in coverage, but they have nine and a half sacks to be a defensive or to have nine and a half sacks or defensive back, it, it's really impressive. And when he returned to, to the lineup last year in week nine, after that, the Seahawks only after, only allowed 19 points per game, which was sixth in the league. And they were fifth allowed in um, – or fifth in the league in yards allowed in 318 a game. So, you know, and he's had 21 and a half sacks in the last four years. So, you know, yeah, he's a game changer on defense. He is their most important piece on that defense side of the ball. And – for, you know, a division that's so tough and, you know, you have a lot of good quarterbacks in that division, you, you know, you need a guy like uh, Maul Adams kind of be, being on your defense to kind of have a chance because that's not an easy, easy division. So I absolutely think the Seahawks made the right move of paying Jamal Adams. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you talk about the Seahawks defense got better last year. The funny part of the Seahawks season last year is once their defense got better, their offense got worse. I think a big reason for that was, you know, predict- predictable play calling from Brian Schottenheimer. They got a new offensive coordinator now and their offensive line, which was a little bit shaky. They improved a little bit getting Cape Jackson, but they got obviously they got to get they got to figure this thing out with Dwayne Brown who's holding out right now. Yeah, they have to because yeah, we saw that. Um... You know that that offensive line wasn't great. We we we, we saw it firsthand when the Giants up that set them with Colt McCoy. Yeah, that 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 had to be one of the most surprising games of the NFL season last year. So yeah, they they have to figure that one out. And I you know I think you know yeah, and you know Russell Wilson wants that contract done with with Dwayne um with Brown. So yeah, they they have to get that done sooner rather than later because without him, especially with all those great pass rushers that you have in that in that um, division, Aaron Donald, you know, Boza, uh, uh, JJ Watt coming over, Chandler Jones is called. You know, you got Chandler Jones in Arizona, so yeah, the, you know, you got to have that offensive line intact and 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 being able to protect your franchise quarterback because they paid him a lot of money. So yeah, yeah, they need to get that figured out sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. You could win with an average offensive line. You cannot win a Super Bowl with. I don't care how good your skill guys are. You and I'm not the biggest old line guy, but you can't win a Super Bowl with a terrible offensive line. You saw that with Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Uh, So they're going to have to get things figured out with with Dwayne Brown if they want to be Super Bowl contenders. I mean, I it's just it's just it's it's hard without him the for the entire year. It's hard for me to think they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. Dwayne Brown is still one of the better left tackles. You know, he's not great, but he's still one of the better left tackles in the league. But all in all. I feel like Seattle's going in the right direction, paying Jamal Adams. And the key thing is you're keeping Russell Wilson happy. Because I feel like when Jamal Adams, uh, when when he got traded from the Jets to Seattle, that Jet team completely fell apart last year When after Jamal Adams got traded. They lost total faith in, in Adam Gase. Because Adam Gase was probably the big reason why mm-hmm. Jamal Adams got traded. Probably. You know, he probably was, um, you know. Yeah, because he called him out afterwards and all that. So he probably was. We know Gase had not been the greatest uh, – NFL coach of all time. Um, so, yeah, you know, to, uh, when they got Jamal Adams, you know, yeah, that they helped that Seattle defense out. 
Um, you know, and Seattle gave up a lot for him. They gave up what the two first rounders, yeah. second rounder. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, McDowell, who's like he's he's a pretty good safety, pretty good safety as well. He played well last year for the Jets. If there was any bright side of that team. So yeah, you know, like he, you know, Adam's been an important piece. You know, keeping Russell happy is, is important as well. Um, and, and yeah, they're trying to get something done. And you know, you'll probably next is trying to get um. Uh, Brown paid next, you know, for in the Seattle uh, checking list. They're, you know, on their to-do list right now. You would, you would hope that they get this thing done. Absolutely. 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 But we'll go to some other news. We'll talk about the Raiders and their vaccination. I don't think it's for players. I think it's just for fans because Lamar Jackson right now is unvaccinated. And if he doesn't get vaccinated, he wouldn't be able to play in that game. So I think it's just for the fans. Yes, yeah, so that's that. Yeah, I, I do believe so as well. That looked like what I saw too. It's just for the fans um, that be vaccinated, which will be interesting. They make it for the players too, but I, I don't know. That'll be an interesting one. Absolutely. But, I, I think everybody obviously should be vaccinated. I think the Raiders are doing a really good thing. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole vaccination thing. I, I don't want to do that on this show, but I believe everybody should be vaccinated, in my opinion. And I think the Raiders are doing a good thing to keep things safe in their stadium. I mean, I mean, I think Mark Davis is a really got to give Mark Davis credit for this. Yeah, you do. You know, and especially it's unfortunate with the Delta variant right now and kind of it's it's spreading and it's kind of, you know, again, we, you know, it's most places you got to start wearing a mask again. You know, so, yeah, you know, you kind of crowd a bunch of people. Well, what I think the new Raiders stay home is like probably close to 40, I would think. I, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, yeah, you know, and you don't want this thing spreading like wildfire right now. Yeah, I know it's probably the unpopular, uh, you know, choice to make everybody vaccinated. But, yeah, it, it's it's the right call right now um, by Mark Davis and the Raiders organization to do this. So, yeah, you know, um, I, I like the idea of it. You know, try, it keeps everybody a little bit safer. I know it doesn't hold off all the, you know, the vaccine doesn't, you know, keep you absolutely immune from the Delta virus, but – you know, if you have the vaccine, you know, you're not going to get as, you know, more sick than, you know, more, more than likely. But, um, yeah, I thought it was the right choice for um, the biggest race to do that. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. If, yeah, if you don't, if you are vaccinated, you're not as likely to get it. That's the thing. You still have to wear your mask, but you're just not as likely to get it. Yeah, yeah, you're not as likely to get it. You're not as likely to get, you know, probably go to the hospital or anything and be, you know, really, really get really, really sick. But, yeah, you know, it, it keeps, you know, everybody safer. Again, I think at some point, especially the numbers keep going up. And, you know, I know there's some rumors that we may have another variant by the fall. Maybe, it, you know, it, again, maybe, you know, I, I think this could start becoming a common thing at stadiums. Uh, I, I think it's very possible if things keep trending the way they are right now. Um, I, I think they could be the first of many doing this. Yeah, and I brought my vaccination card when I went to Yankee Stadium on, on Monday. So I think that's a good thing to bring your card in. And unfortunately, if you're not vaccinated, you're not getting in the stadium. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. Um, you know, I know it's it's everybody's personal choice to get it or not. You know, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, uh, you know, talk politics about it and all that on, on the show, obviously. But, yeah, you know, um, yeah, you know, you show the, show the card, it, you know, yeah, if you're vaccinated, yeah, you know, you feel safer too, I feel like. You, you know everybody, you know, around you is vaccinated, you know, than being um, unvaccinated. So, yeah, you know, it feels safer. It's, it's, you know, pretty easy to bring your card, show them, and, you know, you, you get in. So, yeah, I, I think this could become the, the norm in the next few months. 
Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We'll get to a story that I really didn't want to discuss that much because I knew this was going to happen. But it's a it's a popular player, so we got to talk about it. And that's Tim Tebow being cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, yesterday. I know, you know, people were talking about it a ton. I knew he was a long shot to make the team. The guy hadn't played in the NFL in, uh, I think, eight, 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 uh, was it six years? How long was it? Was it 2015 with the Eagles last time he played in the league? It was years ago. I knew he was going to get caught. Even though Urban Meyer, him and Urban Meyer, have obviously a great relationship because they were together at Florida. You knew Meyer has to be has to put a competitive team on the field, and building a competitive te- team on the field means you got you got to cut Tim Tebow. And I think Urban Meyer did the right thing yesterday. Yeah, he did. You know, you could see a couple of those blocks. He just again, it's it's tough to be what thirty two to try to come play tight end in the National Football League, a position you've never played before. So. Yeah, give him credit for trying, but yeah, you know, you knew that this was going to happen, and he did not have much of a chance to uh, make the roster. Um, you know, T will be fine. T has got his money. He's still probably going to just, you know, be on SEC Nation. He'll, he'll you know, he'll, he'll be fine. You know, I'm not too worried about T Bo. You, you kind of knew this was coming. Yeah. Now, talking about the current Jaguar quarterback, and that's Trevor Lawrence. He made his preseason debut on Saturday night against the Browns. Struggled a little bit. Yes, he got sacked twice, went six for nine for 71 yards, did it to Jackson score any points when he was on the field. Did convert that third and third and ten to Marvin, to Marvin Jones, though. I think there's a lot of promise here with, with him, with, with, with the Lawrence. I don't want to hear about the nonsense about Gardner Minshew being the starting quarterback, please. Good old, stop. It's, okay. Lawrence is going to be the starter. Yeah, that's a guarantee. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starting quarterback for this team in week one when they're in Houston. So I don't want to hear about the Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew saying the Jags should start Gardner Minshew. There's just some concerns. The offensive line is definitely a concern. Uh, I mean, I think his running game could be really good with Travis Etienne and James Robinson. So if they focus on that, I think the running game could be really good. Yes, yes, and yes. They're going to have trouble playing from behind this year because the offensive line isn't good and Lawrence is a rookie. But he's despite what happened Saturday night, he's still the starting quarterback of this team, guaranteed in week one. Yeah, you know, that, that's Urban Meyer there with the college kind of, the you know, because as you know, in college, they're kind of, the coaches are like that. Well, we're not going to announce it. You know, obviously in the NFL, I don't, I don't think any, I don't think Houston's game planning for Gardner Menchie week one. I, I think everybody knows it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you know, um, I thought, you know, that, that throw we made to Marvin Jones was a good one. I thought he, there was a couple of times he held on the ball a little bit too long. But yeah, for the most part, he's got so much promise. You know, he's, Kind of run for his life. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I hope he can get through the season through all 16, 17 games because with that, with that line, it really scares me. They, they got to play a lot better or I, I don't know if he'll make it through, through uh, 17 games this year without getting injured. So, yeah, you know, um, I, I think, you know, hopefully they, they get that going. But, yeah, I, again, there's a lot of problems. I thought he played pretty well. Um, just And I know that was something we saw, especially in that Ohio State game where, you know, um, hold on the ball a couple couple times, and you you know, and even got a strip to strip from him Saturday night. Even that Ohio State game after getting hit, just you know, um, ball security a little bit better. He needs to be a little bit better in that area as well. But yeah, for the most part, he, he played pretty well for game one. Yeah, you know, he, he'll be fine. He'll be the week one starter. Now, outside of Cam, in my opinion, outside of Cam Newton and Mac Jones, the biggest quarterback controversy right now is who's going to be the starter in Chicago between Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. In their preseason game Saturday afternoon, Dalton, two possessions, two three and outs. Uh, but then Justin Fields comes in, he struggles early, but those last couple possessions of Justin Fields, I mean, he throws two touchdown passes. He goes, uh, I know these are against backups. I get it, okay? But he goes, you know, 14 for 20 for 142 yards and two touchdowns. I'm telling you right now, 
I think the Bears, especially with the state of where the GM and the head coach are, and they got to have a good season this year, I think right now, Justin Fields, I know he's going to be facing Aaron Donald week one, but I think Justin Fields gives you the best chance to win if you're the Chicago Bears right now. I think right now, Justin Fields should be the starter day one for the Chicago Bears. Justin, should the Bears start Justin Fields uh, in week one? I think they should. What do you think? Absolutely, because he gives you that running element to that Andy Dalton doesn't have. And you could even see when he was able to kind of run in that second half, you know, what opened everything up. It opened up that entire offense. Yeah, early on, they, you know, even early on, I think they really, you know, they weren't really aggressive offensively, but that second half, they kind of opened it up a lot more. Um, he played a lot better that second half. That that offense played well. Yeah, it was against backups, but I, I think in preseason, you got to take the, all right, you know, where okay how how does he look does he look nervous does he look rattled you know is he making the right reads and throws and you heard what he said after the game it's not as fast as i thought when the guy says that you know he's ready to be a starter oh absolutely you you know that you know when he's not really worried about the speed and all that yeah you you know yeah he's got to be the starter you know because you said you know the head coach the gm is on the line you traded up for this guy too like why would someone Say they are a playoff team this year. He saves Matt Nagy's job and he oh, saves yeah. Ryan Pace's job. Oh, absolutely, he will. You know, he he will. He'll make that uh, you know, that 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 moving up worth it. He'll, yeah, he, he absolutely will if they are able to get back in the playoffs. You know, because yeah, why why have him sit on the bench? You know, you know, even if he starts like week nine or ten, like why why waste like half? You know, why waste half the year where you know waste that development for the next era of, G, of the GM and head coach to kind of take over. Because, yeah, Joe, I think Justin Fields gonna, is going to have a really good career in the NFL. I like him. Uh, you know, stole the ball like a loaf of bread like he did in Ohio State. But, you know, yeah, I think he's got to be that number one quarterback. He can, you know, because of that, that scramble ability, I think it's going to be so huge for him because with that old line and obviously Foles and Andy Dalton do not give you that, I, I think that could be a huge uh, boost for the, for the Bears. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go to another rookie performance. That's Trey Lance. And he threw that 80 yard touchdown pass. But for me, I think he's raw. And I think that's what that's I think he's going to I feel like the best thing for him is is this might not happen because Jimmy G gets hurt all the time. I think the best thing for him is to sit a year. I feel like the best thing for Trey Lance is to to sit. Went five for 14. Did have that one touchdown pass. But I think the best thing for Lance is to sit a year, learn under Jimmy G, learn Shanahan's system. And, and, and play year two. He'll obviously be the starter in 2022, but then learn and, and then and then, then uh, learn this year and be the starter in 2022. Because I feel like, yeah, he had the one touchdown pass, but I feel like he's a little raw right now. Trey, for, I think Trey Lance is a little raw right now. Yeah, I think Jimmy G's going to open, you know, probably play most of the year. I, you know, and for Lance, too, you know, he played one game in the fall, you know, so and then so really the last time he's really played a lot of football was back in like 2000, January 2019. Um, when they won the FCS championship game. So, you know, cause even in that game in the fall, like it was only one game, you know, and it was obviously kind of like a showcase game for him. So, you know, yeah, it thinks he's still got some, you know, he's still a little bit raw. I thought he made a couple of good reads. I know the wide receivers dropped some balls and there should have been some balls that should have been picked off that weren't. So yeah, you know, he made that nice uh, ADR touchdown pass, but yeah, I think it's probably better to, have them kind of take the year, kind of learn, you know, from Jimmy G and from Shanahan and, yeah, get, you know, maybe, yeah, if Jimmy G gets hurt, take over then or take over next year. Um, you know, yeah, he right now just 
doesn't really look ready. But again, he hasn't really played much football in the last two years. Oh, uh, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, the, yeah, I sit, sitting behind Jimmy G, that's a Super Bowl contender. The difference between him, this, I mean, I'd say uh, three of the bigger quarterback controversies in the league, your, yours with Mack and, uh, Mack and Cam, uh, the Dalton and Fields in Chicago, this team is a Super Bowl contender with Jimmy G. You can't say that about, uh, about the Bears with Andy Dalton. You can't say that about the Patriots with Cam Newton. Those teams are not Super Bowl contenders. This, this team is a Super Bowl contender with Jimmy Garoppolo. You saw two years ago, they got to a Super Bowl. It's a really good roster with, with, with getting George, if, if George Kittle and Nick Bosa stay healthy. This is one of the top rosters in the league. So I, I think you, you got to play Garoppolo this year and see what happens. And then you go to Trey Lance. No matter what happens, you end up going to, even though they win the Super Bowl, I feel like you go to, you go to Trey Lance in 2022. Let this guy sit and learn. Right now, Jimmy G gives you the best chance to win. Yeah, absolutely. I think he does. I think next year, yeah, you you have to go to Atlanta, especially what they gave up for. You can't just let let him keep standing on the bench. So yeah, next year he's he's got to get out there and play. But yeah, you know this team, that you know, I agree. They're definitely a Super Bowl contender with Jimmy G out there. Obviously, they're not right now with um, they, Trey Lance goes out there and play plays, especially against this division. And you know, you got some really good defenses. Yeah, I mean, you got yeah, when you got to play against the Rams. You got to play against you got to play against the Rams defense is arguably one of the best in football. And, and, and you're a team that plays really well against the Rams when Jimmy G's the quarterback. So Kyle Shanahan's own Sean McVay. So I wouldn't start a rookie quarterback, especially in those two games. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't either. That's, you know, would not be the smartest the smartest um, idea by Shanahan. So, yeah, you know, I think Jimmy G gives us chance. I agree. They Jimmy G definitely gives us a chance to the best shot to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, as long as this team can stay healthy, you know, um, yeah, you got to go with Jimmy G right now because you know we've we you know because we've shown what you know we we've seen what he can do if he's healthy. So yeah, you you got to go Jimmy G for the for the time being. Absolutely, absolutely. So another rookie QB that's Zach Wilson. We saw him play against pretty much the the Giants. Basically played this preseason game like it was the fourth preseason game. The Giants played barely anybody, and he did play the offensive line a couple series. But and Danny Shelton who made that big stop on third down, fourth down, but. They really played this game like it was a fourth preseason game. So, I mean, you really – Zach Wilson, he looked fine, but you really don't get a great look at Zach Wilson because the Giants really played nobody. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's tough to really kind of judge him. You know, I, I think he fits well in that West Coast offense. Um, yeah, you're going gonna to see it. You're going to see the fullback a lot in the, in the Jets' backfield yeah. this year because, you know, Mike LaFleur, who came from San Francisco and who was, was part of Kyle Shanahan's offense, you're going to see a lot – that fullback is going to be in that backfield a lot for the Jets this year. Yeah, even BYU runs uh, quite a bit with the fullback. I believe, you know, if I can record, remember from last year. So, like, I, you know, he fits that kind of style. Um, you know, I thought he made a couple of good throws, but I thought there were times where there was probably better option open. But yeah, it's it's tough to really because I was kind of looking, you know, of kind of I was looking a little bit more of you know, obviously how he kind of the reads and all that. Because yeah, it's it's tough to really judge you know the competition right now going up against second and third stringers that. May not even make the team. Oh, absolutely not. And the fun, the thing about the Jets though is Zach Wilson's definitely going to be the starter because their backup right. is Mike White. So there, there is no way Zach Wilson's not the starting quarterback on day one. There's just in uh, week one in Carolina. There's no way that there's no way that's not going to happen if he's healthy. Oh yeah, absolutely. If he's healthy, he's the starting quarterback. So you know, yeah, yeah. Mike White, I believe he played at Western Kentucky. I believe he's a gunslinger that that offense i think scored a ton of points with um clay helton's brother but you know so, but yeah I, he, again he's on an alpha 
he should not be an awful starting quarterback. So, yeah, you know, um, yeah, Wilson's going to be that guy day one. I thought he made a couple good throws a couple times. He probably – there was a different option there. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, he, he seemed to kind of fit and he seemed to, you know, play well for – again, they don't have much around him. But, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll – you know, I, he'll definitely 100% be the starting quarterback week one. Oh, absolutely. So we'll talk about the team the Jets played, and that's the Giants. And there's just not much you could take out of that preseason game. You know, it, it would be hard for a, someone like Jace to sit there and watch that entire preseason game. I mean, I, I taped it. I haven't even gotten to the second half yet because the second half was, I feel like it was just, there were just so many backups in the game in that second half. It was, I mean, even for the people like me and Jace and like and Joe and Trevor and, you know, Sean, that's a hard preseason game to watch. That was, that was played like the fourth preseason game. Nobody played. You really can't take much out of that preseason game for the Giants. So pretty pretty much I would say you just look ahead to the Browns where I hope the starters play at least at least into the second quarter so they can get some. I know you don't want anybody to get hurt in preseason, but you want them to play so, into maybe the maybe into the middle of the second quarter so you can get some they can get some sort of reps before, before the regular season. But yeah, I mean, it just last night for the Giants, last preseason game for the Giants, like week four of the preseason, you really couldn't take anything out of it. Yeah, it, it was tough. You know, it really was. I know they had off the line played played some, but yeah, that they, that's it really. You know, yeah, there wasn't much to really take out of it. I know. Um, so yeah, you know, it, yeah, because it's like you know, they're they're probably a bunch of guys there that are never going to make the team. You know, because what they're at, you know, they're they were at eighty five guys. Now it's going to be like eighty. So yeah, like most of those guys aren't going to be on the on the team in two weeks. So it it, it was definitely tough to uh, you know um, to to really you know yeah really judge the Giants on uh, Saturday night. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Now, going into Sunday, I feel like the starters are going to play more in that game. And I, I'd like to see, you know, I know this Galladay and Barkley might not play, but, you know, this is a big test for the offensive line because you never know. The Browns might play, you know, some of their guys in that defensive line. They might play Clowney. They might play Garrett. So this is a big test for the Giants offensive line. I'd like to see the Giants offensive line really, really hold up, not get destroyed if then for, for the amount of, you know, series they play. Say they play a four series. I don't want to see four three and outs. I want to at least see this team move the ball. I know they're probably not going to have their two best offensive weapons, but I want to see this team move the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing. Because, yeah, it, you know, yeah, because you hope they play maybe a little bit because this is a good test against a really good Cleveland Browns defense. And, yeah, as you mentioned, that pass rush, you know, has that offensive line, you know, has that offensive line kind of improved off of last year because, you know, obviously it's a, you know, um, big thing that the Giants really wanted to prove on or yeah, improve on this year coming in this this the season, you know, that to have success. So yeah, you know, yeah, even if it's like three to four series, yeah, you know, um as long as they move the ball, as long as they, you know, they get some points on the board, not you know, obviously doesn't have to be three or four times down the field against the Browns defense, but yeah, as long as they move the ball, you know, Jones kinda looks like he's getting in some sort of rhythm. Yeah, you probably don't have Galladay or, or Barkley, but yeah, you know, as long as you see some good signs that things are improving, then, you know, I think that's a victory in, in the preseason. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll go to your team, and that's the Patriots. And I watched a lot of that preseason game on uh, on, on Thursday night. with And uh, first two series, Cam Newton played. Uh, first series, Chase Young. 
he destroyed Isaiah Wynn on that play. Second series, Cam driving down the field. They did a good job running the football, which is something they're really going to have to be. They're going to have to be a really good, really good at running the real. Just like last year, they're going to have to use Damian Harris and Sony Michelle and those and play in twelve personnel and be really good at running the football this year. I feel like they're going. To, that's going to be their best. That's their best chance to succeed on offense if they could be a really good running team. They got that field goal. Then Mac Jones came in, played a couple possessions, drove them down the field. I think to a field, a couple field goals there. And uh, right now, are you more in favor of Mac Jones starting or Cam Newton starting? I'm still in the camp that Cam Newton should still start the year. But, Justin, as a Pats fan, what are you feeling like now? Cam or Mac to be the starter week one against Miami? I, you know, like Cam, the problem is, like, you know, I, I think I saw, like, the link. He only threw the – you know, he didn't really throw the ball link. Like, I think the yards per attempt on his throw is, like, a point five. Yeah, they're, they're, they're designing this offense around Mac Jones. There's no zone read. There's no read option. It's a different offense from last year. They're completely designed. If you don't, if you probably agree with me, they're designing this offense around Mac Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, they can go back to what they kind of had with Josh McDaniels, had with Brady, kind of running that like a lot of stuff out of the eye. You know, they ran five or six plays out of that empty formation that they like, you know, like they're, you know, for Mac Jones. So, you know, they, they, they like, I feel like, they're, they they have a lot of confidence in right now, Mac Jones. I still think Bill is going to give Cam a you know the start, kind of see how he does week one and week two. But if it's not good, then yeah, I think they're going to go to Mac Jones. He's he's you know I thought Mac Jones played pretty well. You know they you know they let him change a couple of the protections, which I like to see them do. You know I, I thought he looked pretty comfortable back there. I thought he made some good throws. Um, I thought he looked pretty good. Obviously, he can't run. You know, again in, in this NFL, a little bit. That's of a gonna worry. be that's. I think that's gonna be an yeah. issue because uh, offensive line play. Yeah, I know it's. I know it's important, but it's not as good as it used to be. There really aren't a lot of walls that are built around quarterbacks anymore. Especially when you're down. You know, ten, two scores in a game. You're gonna have to make plays. You're gonna have to make plays on your feet. And the big concern about Mac Jones is he just can't do it. And and and, and he's not. And it's not like a Brady or a Ryan or a Breeze. We're late in his career. He's so good pre-snap. Where he could he could get away with not being mobile, if if, if, if let me tell you if if there's if, if he's under pressure he could he could be in big trouble in this league. Yeah, you know that then that's a problem. Yeah, you know he's got to be great pre snap, which that will not come this year. That probably won't come for the next five. You you know like yeah, you know he's probably it's, never going to be a pre. It's got to come in year two or three. It's really got to come then because he's got to be a yeah. pretty good quarterback by year. Uh, three yeah, for the yeah. Patriots want to pay him because you look what you're paying a quarterback now. You're paying him for at least forty. You saw you saw Josh Allen's deal. You're paying a quarterback at least forty million a year. You got to look like you're a franchise quarterback in year three at the latest. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. Yeah, that contract and nowadays, yeah, you, you know, you have to. It's you know, and especially for Mac Jones too. You know, he's gonna have so it's he's gonna have like that Mariano effect. It's gonna be the Tom Brady effect now. Like they're you know. You know, Patriot fans gonna, are so spoiled; they're going to expect great quarterback play. They got, yeah. they got to stop that. If Mac yeah, Jones could be, you know, good enough to win a Super Bowl with, if he could be a top ten quarterback, that's good enough. He could be good enough to win a oh, Super yeah. Bowl with, that's fine. It's you know, they can't. Just, but I feel like this the Patriots fans' expectations they they're stay, they they've watched for the last outside of last year for the for the two for the for the two decades before that they watched you know great the best quarterback play ever. They watched Brady was the greatest to ever do it. So. It's yeah, you're good. That's a good example. The Mariana, a good analogy. The Mariana Rivera effect. It could very easily be the Tom Brady effect. Yeah, you know, I think it really could be because 
Yeah, you know, I, I, we've been spoiled that Tom Brady lost 20 years, you know. So, yeah, look, and I, you know, what you said, as long as he's good enough to lead us to Super Bowl, uh, I'll take that any day of the week. You know, that that is fine with me. That's really – I look, yeah, I, I you know, I, I know that there's never going to be another Tom Brady that's going to walk through Fox – you know, walk through that locker room at Fox, bro. You know, again, like there's never going to be another Mariano. You know, like I, I understand that. So, yeah, I mean, he's good enough to lead us to a Super Bowl – I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. I'll yeah. take that for the next 15 years. Absolutely. And I think the Patriots got to get this right with Mac Jones. They got to get this right or Bill, Bill's not going to live down the Brady thing. If he get, if he, if Mac Jones is a good quarterback that eventually, you know, could have the Patriots competing for championships, this thing that Bill got, that the fact the Patriots got rid of Brady too early, that goes away. The, if Mac Jones is not that guy, there's two things the pay, they're going to haunt the Patriots. One, they got rid of Brady too early. And the other one was they didn't, if Justin Fields is good, they didn't trade up for Justin Fields because the, 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 if he ends up being better than Mac Jones, then you missed out. You missed out on two. You know, you missed out on the, having the end of Brady's uh, having Brady for the end of his career in New England when he still was a really good quarterback, or having or having Justin Fields, who could who I think is going to be a franchise quarterback. So for the Patriots, I feel like this Mac Jones thing really needs to work out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know you can even say for McDaniel's too. You know, we all talk about McDaniel being one of the best OCs, but if he struggled, you saw last year. He, you know, I know they didn't have a ton around. I know they don't have a ton around this year, but. Because this tarnished kind of his reputation in the offensive coordinator. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because really, where has he succeeded on offense without Tom Brady? Yeah. What happened when he when he was in? What happens when he was in Denver? That team, that team, that offense was wasn't great in Denver. So, you know, this definitely could hurt his reputation too if Brady if if, if Mac Jones is not good. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you know, and yeah, for Mac, you know, it could could also hurt Bill with it, Justin Fields. I know, I know, Bill didn't really like Fields, and again, they really wanted to go back to what they had with kind of the style of Brady. I, I really do believe that. You know, but they, the, they want. But the big question here is going to be: Can you win with that yeah. guy anymore? Can you win with that guy anymore? Where offensive line play, it just isn't as impactful as it used. It's still important. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I know people have misquoted me when I've said this. I said this on Keys to the City two years ago, and Jace and Trevor won't forget, won't forget that I said this, that offensive line play wasn't they, – they, 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 you know, they, 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 uh, mis- they, they, they uh, misquoted me there when I said offensive line play wasn't important. I didn't say offensive line play wasn't important. It just hasn't, isn't as impactful because of the way, you know, the game is played with all the spread offenses in college. More teams just don't, they, they, you don't have you know finished products as offensive linemen anymore going into the NFL. So I think with offensive line play not being as good as it used to be, uh, I think it's Mac Jones is going to prove can you still be a pocket passer and can you still win in this league? He's going to be he's going to be the guy. I think that that proves that. Yeah, and when I hope so, I, I think he can. You know, again, I know a lot of Alabama quarterbacks have not succeeded when they've gotten the next level. But again, I, you know, but most of them I don't feel like go to the best situation either. You know, like I, I think Mac Jones is coming to a situation where he's got really good coaching here. Coaching's you know? the key. Talent, yeah. coaching's the key. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, again, you know, when you have a Bill Belichick, when you have a Josh McDaniels, you know, when you, when you have guys that, you know, know how to win at this level and can make you better, you know, day in and day out, then, yeah, I think he can be successful, you know. Um you know, as long as he makes the right plays, as long as he can be good enough under center before plays to kind of know. And I know now with the New Jerseys, what you know, it, obviously it's probably gonna, it, that, you know, that worries me a little bit. Now that, that, that's gonna be another topic of conversation. The only way I, I don't know, we're getting off topic a little bit here, but the, the only way I'll mind the single digit jerseys is if it affects the game on the field. If guy, if Brady can't, you know, you know, if Brady's confused. 
If, if they get Brady on that, then you know it's a problem. Even Brady sounded a little bit concerned when we talked about it at the at that time when they first, you know, it was like, you know, you know, and especially if you say, especially talking like, because I do agree, the offensive lines are not as great as they used to, and especially with some of these defense, you know, the, some of these edge rushers that come up nowadays, they got Chase Young, like these guys are, you know, yeah, he smoked Isaiah went on that play, smoked him on that play, uh, smoked the guy. Yeah, that was ugly. Yeah, that was yeah, ugly. Yeah. I was I was worried Cam was not going to get up after that one, and that was an end the QB conversation for a while. But you know, so yeah, like you know, again, you don't know a guy's number. You know, it, it's going to be a little bit weird. So you know, that that's kind of a little bit worrisome. But yeah, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I, I think Mac has the tools what it takes. Again, he doesn't have the weapons like he did at Alabama. But um, I you know, I it sounds like through camp he's been pretty good. So the Eagles and Patriots have had joint practices this week. What what have you seen from these joint practices? What, what's your what what are your takeaways from the from the, they've had them the last two days? What are your takeaways from the yeah. joint practices? Um, red zone offense was not great, but I guess the Eagles literally played a lot of zone defense. So Cam really did not take many chances. That I team's going to play a lot of zone. That D coordinator came yeah. from Indianapolis, and Eberflus plays a lot of that Tampa two scheme. Yeah, so now they, so I, I there was a lot of checkdowns. I guess Mac Jones on his first or second play in the red zone offense threw a pick through a tight window. But after that, I guess he said, you know, um, I think it's a Tom Curran. I think I was reading from. He played a lot better after that. He didn't really take another kind of bad chance. Um, he took what the defense was giving him, which is good. He took his chance that it didn't work, but um, you know. Did everything, you know, but looked a lot better after that. I guess Nelson Aguilar had a uh, great move on um, Darius Slay, broke his ankles, but dropped the ball in the end zone. Um, no surprise by Aguilar there. We're down to one tight end to Devin Asiad. Yeah, because you've had Jonah Smith and uh, Hunter Henry. They're both hurt. Uh, and Matt Lacrosse, I guess, is banged up as well. So, um, you know, tight end. So I'm happy Asiad is getting a lot of reps right now at the tight end position. Um, but like, right now, Jones, um, he's, you know, I guess – He's looked more decisive than Cam. He's getting the ball out quicker than Cam. Um, his his throws um, are more accurate outside the numbers than Cam. Um, he's arching the ball down the sidelines really well, and he's willing to fit the ball through some tight windows. So everything I've been hearing, uh, Matt, Matt has looked pretty good right now. Yes. So what do we what are we going to expect Thursday night against the Eagles? Like who's going to who's going to start? How much are you know Cam and Matt going to play? What do, or, I mean, and how much are the starters going to play? So three questions. How much is Cam going to play? How much is Matt going to play? And how much are the starters going to play Thursday night against the Eagles? Yeah, well, unfortunately, Bill, yeah, you know, Bill doesn't. He doesn't you know, say any um, of this stuff. Bill gives no. you nothing. No, but I, I believe Cam, probably that's already off. I think it's probably going to be, he'll probably get like two to three series again. And then I think Max may be going to get most of that probably the fourth quarter and Brian Hoyer. So I expect probably, probably most of the first team to play maybe that first quarter, mostly the second. And then maybe then somewhere around, or maybe just the first quarter, and then kind of bring in more of the second team offense towards the second quarter um, of play. I don't know what the Eagles are doing on for their defense. Um, I expect some of their offense or some of their defense. I watched their preseason start. game against the Steelers. Their, their their defensive starters played about two to three series. I think they play into the second quarter. Yeah. So I okay. So yeah, you know, I so going the second quarter. So maybe the first team offense stays out there a little bit in the second quarter. Uh, but I expect Cam to probably only get a few series again and Mac Jones to get most of the reps in game again. Um, and then probably Brian Hoyer to finish it out. So, um, you know, I, 
So um, kind of, I think it's probably going to be about the same amount of time length that from last game for the first team, second team, and then, you know, um, and then even probably trying to get some scrubs even in, you know, more of a, like a third string option if they have any. Yeah, we'll quarter. see. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. It should be interesting to see the, see the preseason in week two. Starters play more. Games are definitely more watchable. So it should be very interesting to see what happens in week two of the preseason. But the AP Top 25 poll was announced on Monday. We'll talk about that. But before we talk about it, we got a promo from All Four Downs. The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. That is all four downs every Thursday starting this year at, I think, 7 o'clock. Jason, you can correct me in the comments. I think at 7 o'clock, all four downs this year, you got Sean, you got Sean, Ovi, Joe, Sean, Ovi, Joe, and Jace. They're back again talking college football. Uh, we had a bunch of guys on last year, too. You, you were on a little bit. You had, you, had Hector, you had Hector on. You had, I think you had Frank on, too. So, yeah, I think Rob was on. Trevor Keys was on because Trevor Keys was, you know, getting on. We're hyping up Coastal Carolina, too. They put Trevor Keys on, too. So, you had a bunch of guys that are going to, I think, eventually end up being on that show as the season goes on. So, all four downs. Every, I think it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be every Thursday, but I think it's, it's this Thursday at 7 o'clock. We'll definitely be breaking down the top 25. Uh, they'll, be, they'll have a lot to say about that. So, Definitely tune into all four downs Thursday at seven o'clock. But we got to break down the top twenty-five and that uh, the AP top twenty-five that came out on a Monday. And uh, looking at the pool, looking at the top ten, you got Alabama number one, Oklahoma number two, Clemson number three, Ohio State number four, Georgia number five, Texas A&M number six, Iowa State number seven, Cincinnati number eight, Notre Dame number nine, and uh, UNC number ten. Uh, the only issue, a couple of issues I have with this is I would have uh, Clemson ahead of o- Oklahoma. In my opinion, I'd have Clemson ahead. I think yeah, DJ played pretty well in that Notre Dame game last year. And I wouldn't have Notre Dame being a top 10 team. I'd have Notre Dame out of it. And I put Oregon in the top 10 because of how good that defensive te- that defensive lineman is for Oregon. Thibodeau is definitely going to be a free pick. He's, 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 he's probably going to be one of the best players in the country this year for Oregon. So I would have, those would be the two changes I would make. But, Justin, the first question I have is which team which, which team that's, that is not in the top 10 – which team that's not in the top 10 that should be in the top 10? I I agree with you. I think it's the Ducks. I really like this team right now. Um, you know, Thibodeau coming back on that defensive line. Um, I think they they have one of the best offensive lines as well in the country. They bring back. I think they have a dynamic offense. They bring back CJ Verdell at the running back position. They got Nico uh, Pittman at wide receiver. Um, Johnny is Pittman, Johnson is Pittman related to Michael Pittman. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's another brother. There's a third one too. Um, Think he may have just graduated. I think there's a third one as well. But um, um, so yeah, with Johnny Jones out there as well, I think they have. A, I think it all is on the arm of Anthony Brown, uh, the transfer of BC. He's a more of a scrambler. He doesn't have a great arm, but I really do like this Oregon team. We're gonna find out a lot about him when they go to Ohio State week two. But I, I think it's a team if you know that you know if they could somehow knock off Ohio State, I think they could be in the playoff conversation. Um, you know, and I, I think that defense line could really give Ohio State some issues with a freshman quarterback that's going to be starting for the Buckeyes. 
Um, and then I'll, I'll mention about the Clemson. I do think Clemson too should be ahead of Oklahoma because Oklahoma hasn't beaten them yet. You know, I think Oklahoma has a really good team, and I think this is Lincoln Riley. This is his year. You know, yeah, I like with, 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 with Rattler, yes, I agree. Rat, with yeah. Rattler, yes. And I love Alex Grinch as a defensive coordinator. He's done a really good job improving that defense. You know, so I, you know, Oklahoma's going to be good this year. They're going to be bad, a lot better offensively than what they've been. But I do agree, Clemson. You know, until Oklahoma beats beats those guys, then they they should probably be number three. You talked about Ohio State playing Oregon early in the year. Should they be a top five team? I still think they should. You know, um, again, even with the, State, even with the loss of Fields. Yes. I, now, right now, I think the starter is going to be C.J. Um, Stroud. Now, they they just literally a week ago, um, Quinn Ewers, a freshman, who was supposed to enroll in 2022 but wanted to enroll early because he wanted, you know, the new NIL endorsement. So, I don't know. I don't think he's going to start. But, again, he's one of the top recruits, quarterback recruits of all time. So, he if he does, he's going to be as talented. He's going to be – pretty pretty talented um but they they do bring a lot back um on both sides of the ball and, and i think right now they're the overwhelming favorite in the big 10 again at minnesota that's a tricky week one game i think they get out of that game with a win i think they, they will but again i don't i don't think it'll be easy it'll, it'll be interesting um but again they have master t back they have three running backs right now in that room that are probably going to play a lot um next year and you know those Ohio State running backs are always good. They're always good, you know. We did Ezekiel Elliott, J.K. Dobbins, Carlos Hyde, Trey Sermon. You could count on Ohio State running backs. They're not. You never know how they're going to be in the NFL, but for Ohio State, they're always, always have a good running game. Oh yeah, always. You know, yeah, you went through a lot of guys that have made the uh, NFL. Yeah, you know, like I think Master T's another one. Um, they have another freshman that I guess is really bursted on the scenes in camp. So yeah, you know, I, again, I think. And that's going to help out their quarterback um, situation, too, the way they run the ball. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So which team that is in the top 10 that should not be in the top 10? Which team would you take out of the top 10? This is a tough one for me. I went back and forth um, on, like, North Carolina, North Dame, Cincy. You, I'm I, taking I, out. Who are you taking out? Who are you taking out? I'm taking out North Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, that's who I would have taken out. I knew yeah. I knew you were going to take out Cincinnati because you've yeah. been on Cincinnati since, since last yeah. year with, with Dwayne Ritter. You've been on Cincinnati since last year. I, I knew you weren't going to take them out. You were thinking about it, but I knew you weren't going to take them out. So you were going to take out Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to take out Cincinnati because of the quarterback. You know, like Ritter's a good quarterback, but like I wouldn't, you know, put him on that pedestal. You know, he's a good ma- game manager, but he's not a guy that's going to get you over the top. I did Notre Dame because I just, you know, I know Jack Cohn just got um, – is going to be the you know starting quarterback, but I'm not – I don't really like Jack Cohn. I'm not – you know, look, he ran the Wisconsin offense good, you know, like Wisconsin does. You know, Notre Dame's going to have a great tight end room like they always do. They have they have a lot of guys back, but I, I don't know. I'm not really – I'm not really sold on Jack Cohn. I don't think it's, you know, um, you know I, I know there wasn't many options – because I think there's a freshman coming in, and they have Drew Payne, who's from uh, New Canaan, Connecticut. But you know, I don't think I remember Drew Payne. I remember him. He, he, yeah. he was he was really good for uh, for New Canaan. I mean, he, he yeah. led him to the I think he led him to the state championship. He, he won a state championship as a freshman for them. So Drew Payne was really good as a as, as a uh, when he was with when he was with New, when he was with New Canaan. I think this is his third. He's got to be his third year now. With uh, is it third year with uh? I need the second. Second, but- might be a second. 
I think he's still listed as sophomore, but he may be a third because I know he okay. can't really go up against any, you know, like, you know, with the extra eligibility. Uh, but I, I still think your defense would be good. I just don't think they're going to be explosive again on offense. And, again, you lose a guy like Ian Book that all the statistics with – again, he won the most games ever as an ordinary quarterback. I know games are different. You know, they play more games. But, again, you take out a, a quarterback like Ian Book and, and things are going to change. So, I, I took out Notre Dame out of the top ten. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But now looking at the top 25, who's the team that's not in the top 25 that should be in the top 25? Um, I have two that are very tossed up that, I, again, I could not agree on. I have Ole Miss and Liberty. Ole Miss, that production that they bring back on the offense. Yes, their defense is going to be better. But, you know, I, I was I really like the way that Ole Miss played. They bring back um, Drummond wide receiver. They bring back early um, Ely. Um, you know, they bring back Mingo. Like, they, they have so many weapons again. I think Ole Miss is going to be good. I think they should be a top 25. And I get the Liberty Flames. Um, of course you take Liberty. Of course you're uh, taking Liberty. They were 10-1 and one last year. They lost one game on a block kick to NC State. It was a pretty gotcha. good team. Gotcha. And, gotcha. and they bring 90% back of their production. Oh, wow. Malik okay. Wilson is going to be okay. a okay. Malik Bills be a 10 top 15 pick. You know, he, he's the real deal. The Auburn transfer, which, you know, he got the – or, you know, Bo Nix is starting over, you know, got the uh, – or, uh, I believe – I believe Bo Nix beat him out. Mark, Mark, so you um, took Lewis. you took Old Miss over Auburn in terms of a top twenty-five team. You got a lot of trust in, in Lane Kiffin. Oh yeah, I like Lane Kiffin. I don't know what Auburn's going to be. Um, you know, again, I don't know how how much improved um, Bo Nix is going to get. You know, I, I think Auburn's probably going to be like eight and five again, somewhere around there. Um, you know, I, I think Liberty they play Ole Miss in November. Like, I think Liberty is one of those teams that could go eleven and one. He, um, Hugh Freeze. A really, really good coach. Um, we saw what he did at, at Ole Miss, you know, before, um, you know, um, saying she got there. But I, I like Liberty and Ole Miss. Those two teams should be in the top 25. So, who is the team that shouldn't be in the two? Is the team that's in the top 25 that shouldn't be in the top 25? It's an easy one for me. It's Louisiana Lafayette. There's no way, in my opinion, really? Louisiana Lafayette should be in the. I, I get Coastal Carolina because of Grayson McCall, but there's no way, no way Louisiana Lafayette. Should be a top twenty-five team. I'm sorry, there's no way. Yes, they beat Iowa. They, they beat Iowa State last year, but you know the team. The teams couldn't even practice, so they're they're, they're unpredictable results. To me, Louisiana Lafayette like should it. not be in the top twenty-five. There's no way they should be in the top twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope they hear that because they go to Texas week one. <laughs> and if they beat Texas, I think I think Jace is going to clip that. If they beat Texas, yeah. he's got to play that <laughs> like during one of our breaks. They, Lafayette's got a lot back. I love Billy Napier. That the, I don't know why that guy has not gotten a power five job yet or why he hasn't taken one because he, he has done a great job. I, I love Louisiana. Uh, they, they have, a I think, 18 or 19 guy come back. And a tough Sunbelt. Like, Georgia Southern would be good. Um, Troy, they'd be better. Obviously, Coastal Carolina. Like, Sunbelt's, Sunbelt's a, you know, they got some good teams in that conference this year. Uh, but I so because I put two in, I got to take two out. Uh, Jace is going to be too packed 12 teams at Utah and Arizona State. Yeah, Utah, I probably would take Arizona State out. Yeah. But Utah, yeah. I'd always keep in with their defense. Their defense is always good. I think they have the best defensive line and best offensive line in the Pac 12. Uh, you know, I like, I think Jay, or Charlie Brewer's an up, Jay, upgrade from Jake Bentley. But again, I, I go back to Old Miss and Liberty last year. We saw a lot of good signs from them. Utah was 3 and 2. I know they played better in the last three games. I know they blew a 21 nothing lead. I think it was a Stanford last year. Like, you know, um, but 
I, I, you know, from what I saw last year, I'm kind of basing it off of. I didn't see a lot of Utah as a press off of. And Arizona State right now with the extensions, or they're losing coaches left and right with this investigation going on. So I, I you know, um, I, I, it's kind of I don't really trust Arizona State. I don't know what's going on with that program right now. So I take them out as well. I'm not really high on the Sun Devils, even though I like Herm Edwards, but with all the coaches he's losing, I think they're, you know, I think. He could be, you know, I think, it, you know, maybe at the end of the year, he, you know, I don't know if he knows anything about the recruiting allegations, but um, I have Arizona State out as well. Yeah. Last la, la, last uh, topic. Well, last question I'll ask. Uh, as a Penn State fan, at number 19, are they overrated or are they underrated? Coming off a four and five season last year with James Franklin, are they overrated or underrated being number 19? I think they're a little bit underrated. I oh, think really? them and Washington, Washington would be the two most improved teams in the country. Um, again, I think it all falls on Sean Clifford. I think they could win 10 games if Sean Clifford could yeah, play up to his potential. Because that was the problem. Sean Clifford, after the, uh, after, the Indiana, after the Indiana game, played so poorly. I don't know anything after the Ohio State game. He played so poorly last year where they had to go to Levis. But then when they back, went back to Clifford, they started to win games. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, he, he, he's very up and down. They have another new offensive coordinator, Mike um, Yarch, who's coming over from Texas, um, and it seems like it's fit more the Penn State style and what Sean Clifford wants to do. There's going to be a lot more motion. I think they only motioned last year, like 5% of their plays, which was like last in the Big Ten. Um, so I, they're going to bring a lot more motion this year. Um, you know, I think it all just falls on the hands of Sean Clifford. Again, I think, you know, Indiana's going to take a step back. Again, they got so lucky last year in a lot of games. Yeah, but Penix, Penix is back, though. Yeah, I don't know how healthy he's coming off that ACL. That's the thing, because they were, let's, see, let's be real, they were very, well, like you beat Penn State last year. They shouldn't have. I mean, he was short, he was short of the goal line. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny that. He was short of the goal line last year. Yes, he was. He was short. They, they Penn State should have won that game. Uh, again, like they have a tricky schedule, you know, to open up at Wisconsin. Going to Camp Randall ain't going to be easy. At Ball State's not going to be easy either. That's a team that finished the top 25 last year. Um, they should win that one. But then you bring in Auburn, which is probably going to be the whiteout game. Like, you know, we're going to find out a lot about Sean Clifford and this Penn State team early on. But I like to change his uh, James Franklin's, you know, with the new OC coming in. I think he fits well. I, I think Penn State, for now, I, I think good. And, they could flip flop with Indiana if you really wanted to, but I'm going off. But like some of this is going back based off of last year, which you know Indiana should probably be sitting there at 17. Um, so yeah, I, I think Penn State. Right, I think that's a good spot for my number 19. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. James Franklin. You think of another bad year though that he's not, that he could, that he could be fired if they have like another disappointing season. Yeah, I think so because I right now because. With Indiana, I, I think Penn State's clearly the number two. I think Indiana's be good, but I think they're gonna take a step back. I really do. I really like um, Coach Tom Allen when he's done there. But again, I, I going back to the luck. I just I think you know that had a huge part of it. They have Cincinnati too this year. I don't. I'm not really high on Michigan. I don't know if Caden McNair is gonna be the uh, quarterback at, for Harbaugh. Like I, I think Penn State's really the clear number two, probably a tier behind Ohio State, but. I think they, I, you know, I, I don't think there should be any reason why Penn State should not finish second in, at least in the Big Ten East next year. Or this we'll year. see. We'll see what happens. The college football season officially starts on the twenty eighth, so it's less than yep. two weeks away. But in, in in all honesty, in terms of the big games, it starts September fifth. That's that's. Oh, Justin doesn't. Nope. I know Justin and Jason like hearing that, 
Congrats, but, Illinois. That is a huge game for uh, Scott Frost. That, oh, yeah, that yeah. is huge. Yeah, that, that's, one, that's that one of the games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's, Especially yeah, now he's under investigation. So, Oh, okay. Um, and not as much pressure on Illinois because they got a new coach. They got Brett Bielema yeah. now. But they have a ton of super seniors. Illinois is make a bowl game. They, they have 22 super seniors. Wow. wow they'll wow. make a bowl game. With yeah, you, you forget about that sixth year that, that a lot of teams get. So we'll, yeah. see, we'll, see, we'll see what happens there. But we got to wrap up the show talking about talking a little bit of NBA and Joel Embiid signed his uh, max contract with the 76ers. Uh, the big question is with Joel Embiid is, is can you win a championship with him as your best player? And I feel like you can if you can get another, you know, top player. The problem with the Sixers is Ben Simmons is overrated. Bias Harris is good. He's not great. Seth Curry is a good three point shooter. They really don't have a top player around Embiid. Embiid had a great season in the center last year. But th- th- there's all there's, there's as you saw with Jokic in the playoffs. There, there's a center can only do so much. They need to have a good scoring guard. That's what the Sixers need. They need to have a top scoring guard. That's why trading for Dame would make complete sense for the Sixers. So I think you could win a championship with him being your best player. But they needs to there needs to be a really good guard there for the uh, not a guard that is definitely better than Ben Simmons for that team to be a, to, to win a championship. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you, Jump, Joel Embiid. I think right now is the best post player right now in the NBA. Um, with everything you do, he just He's just an absolute beast down there. He's such a great player, but, you know, yeah, you, you need that second star, especially at that guard position. Um, you know, obviously Ben Simmons isn't that guy. Yeah, can they get a guy like, you know, Dame Lillard? You know, I agree. would obviously be such a perfect fit for him. Um, you know, I, I know they're definitely trying to trade for him right now. Uh, like, yeah, like that that's perfect for him. They need that second star. Especially, you know, when you're going to have to face the Nets, who are a really good team. Obviously, the Bucks are the defending champions. You know, obviously, the, the you know the Hawks right now are an up and coming team. So, yeah, you're going to need that second star to knock out some of these um these other teams in the Eastern Conference right now. And it, it's going to be tough. If you just have a Joel and beat out there. He's not going to be able to do it all. Um, so yeah, you know, a Dame Lillard would be such a perfect fit because yeah, they have some nice pieces around. But, again, they're nothing, you know, like, again, Tobias here to put up 30 one night and five the next. You know, like, he's so – he can be so inconsistent at times. Um, yeah, Curry's a good shooter, but, you know, um, yeah, he did, didn't need that other superstar. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And and that's why I'm telling you, Sixers, if Dame Lillard go, I mean, if Dame Lillard goes to the Sixers, that's a contender in the Eastern Conference. He's really – he's got to push – I would push to get to the Sixers if I'm Dame Lillard. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, yeah, I, you know, absolutely. I think it it, it makes sense for both sides. Dame Lillard's gonna have a shot to win a win a title. Um, you know, for Philly, yeah, it, you know, you're gonna be right there in that Eastern Conference. You're gonna be able to have you know uh, a team that's you know good enough to match up with the Nets. You know, and even have a chance to beat them. Um, it, yeah, be the um, best of both worlds for both those guys. You know, Dame Lillard, too, with a guy to play like a center like um, Joel Embiid, you know, some of the pick and roll stuff they can do with them. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense for both sides. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it'd work out, you know. Um, it, it would work out for both sides. It's definitely a match that, yeah, um, Lillard, yeah, if he is pushing to get out of town, Philly should definitely be on top of his list. Absolutely, absolutely. So they announced some games yesterday. The uh, the early the first the game for the first couple nights of the season and the Christmas Day game. And uh, I like the opener. The Nets, Bucks, the Nets going to Milwaukee to face the defending champions in the opener. I think they're going to be pumped up for that one. I'm excited to watch that opener. 
Yeah, that should be a fun one. You know, um, obviously, you know, the Nets got to watch the banner go up. You know, obviously, they probably win that. They, they, well, they win that series if, you know, they're, they're healthy. Uh, you know, that should be, you know, the Bucks getting the rings and all that. Uh, they, that should be a fun one. You know, it could be a match, a very early preview, getting, you know, a, a, the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, it's, it's a big three healthy. And I'm excited, too, to watch rookie Cam Thomas because I think he fits on so, the net so well with his scoring ability. He ain't great defensively, but he's a guy that can come off the bench and he can shoot the lights out. So I'm excited we, to see what he can do. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get to the Christmas Day schedule. It's a five-game slate like it is every year. you got the Knicks and the Hawks to start. got Trey Young coming back to MSG. That should be really exciting. you got the Celtics and the Bucks. you got, obviously, Jason Tatum against the defending champions uh, in, in Milwaukee. you got an interesting matchup, Warriors and Suns. Hopefully you get Clay Thompson back for that game. you get Clay and Steph going up against the uh, – Going up against the defending Western Conference champions in DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul and the Suns. That should be a good game. That's a 5 o'clock game. And then you got the big one, the one everyone's going to be talking about. That's the Nets and the Lakers at the Staples Center. That's the game everyone's going to be talking about Christmas Day, that Nets-Lakers game. That's, that's going to be a huge one on Christmas Day. And then to, to, and then to finish it off, you got Jace Garcia's Utah Jazz facing Luka Doncic and the Mavs. I know the most exciting for a lot of people would be, the, and for me, definitely would be the Nets-Lakers game. And second for me would be the Knicks and the and Hawks game because the Knicks are my favorite team. But outside of that, the game I'm the most excited to watch would be that late game would be the uh, Jazz and the Mavs, watching Luka and Donovan Mitchell go at it. Justin, out, outside of the Nets-Lakers game, which game are you most excited to watch on Christmas Day? I think it's the Hawks and Nick because it will not be two Christmas. Uh, oh, no. Be a jolly time oh, no. The, the, those Madison fans are going to be all over Trey Young after he took that bow at Madison Square Garden in game five. Those fans are going to be all over Trey Young. Yeah, so I, that's the one I'm exciting for. It will not feel like Christmas and MSG on uh, Christmas Day at, at you know there. So I mean, I'm excited to see what Trey Young does as an encore at, at MSG. Um, that, you know, that should be a fun one. That obviously Dallas, Utah should be another good one. You know, Golden State, Phoenix should be a shootout. Um, I think like the least exciting one, the Bucks and Celtics. The Bucks should probably beat the yeah, Celtics the Bucks, by Yeah, yeah, because the Celtics are just an organization that's going sideways, and the Bucks are the defending champs. So that should be the biggest blowout of the day. Yeah, it should be. But yeah, you know, Atlanta Knicks, Kemba Walker, it'd be fun to watch him on a uh, Christmas afternoon. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up this week for Sports Talk with RJ. For our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job. For Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risher. We'll be back next week talking Yanks and Sox, uh, NFL preseason news, and any NBA news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everybody.
consequences, Ivy League murders, and Burn, the unsolved murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 